What is up? What is happening, TFA fam? We are back again with another edition of the Fantasy Authority Podcast. I am your host, Kevin Steele. You can find me on Twitter at FantasyRath13. And you can find my co-host, Cody Kutzer, at CKutzerFF. We are back again with the second half of this conversation for this week where we are talking about rookie running back prospects heading into this heading into the NFL draft that is only two weeks away we'll be talking about guys like Zach Moss and you know what our thoughts are on him AJ Dillon Keyshawn Vaughn you know Benjamin uh we get you know Darrington Evans is another guy who's kind of flying up a lot of people's boards right now so it's a good conversation uh we also get into some more um you know some dynasties related stuff at the end you know league setup types of trades um stuff like that we also you know have a little announcement at the end too about uh, a dynasty league that we're looking to start so I hope everybody enjoys this episode and we'll see you again next week with Ray Garvin from DLF talking rookie wide receivers. Time to play the game! (laughs) It's all about the game! And are you playing? All about control And if you can take it All about your debt And if you can pay it It's all about pain And who's gonna make it? I am the game You don't wanna play me I am control No way you can shake me I am heavy debt No way you can pay me I am the pain And I know you can't take me Look over your shoulder Ready to run Like a Cleveland bitch From a smoking gun I am the game And I may do so move on out, you can die like a fool Try to figure out what my mood's gonna be Come on over, sucker, why don't you ask me? Don't you forget there's a price you can pay Cause I am the game and I want to play past top five and that's kind of, you know Let's move on from there and let's talk about Zach Moss, right? And I'm gonna do my best to not bury the guy like I do every time I talk about him So, a lot of people love Zach Moss There's people that have ranked him number one overall you know, among running backs, PFF loves him. PFF has him, I think, as their number one graded running back in this class. He's 5'9", 223. He ran abysmal 4'6", 540, which isn't everything. I agree. But there's stuff that you look at him and you say, okay. You see he was, you know, eighth in yards after contact, second in missed tackles. So there's lots of like there in terms of stuff that he's able to do. Nine, you know, a 9% target share in the offense. I can't help it, but when I've watched the guy and when, I, when I've looked at him, I'm like, I'm like, he... Is, is this guy the next David Montgomery who we, we got all excited about last year and everybody got all excited about and hyped up and oh my god you know look he was you know he was what was he first and and uh missed tackles and um or and broken tackles and everything else and like that's what he feels like to me right now I, where do you come in on him uh he's probably gonna settle around like that seven eight nine spot for me um a guy we're gonna talk about here in a little bit, uh, Keyshawn Vaughn, I have, I have definitely ahead of him at that six spot right now. But I mean, I, I like Moss for what he is. He's a one cut runner. Get him going downfield. Don't you know? Don't try and get him going sideline to sideline. Have him pick a gap, hit the gap. Um, he he showed enough burst for me that like I, I don't think. And with the forty, let's give him the benefit of the doubt. Let's say that he he did pull that hammy. Okay. Um, but like to, to me that like, even if he would have came out, if there would have been no injury thing that came out and he ran a four, six, five, like I still wouldn't, I wouldn't ding him for that because he, that's, that's not how he won. That wasn't his game. He wasn't a long speed, you know, super explosive burst kind of a guy. Um, I think he is what he is. He, he, he had the, 
I think every year, <clears throat> every year that he played more than 10 games, I think he had over 25 catches or something like that, like 20 to 25 catches each of those years. Um, I don't think he's necessarily a weapon out of the, out of the backfield in the passing in the passing game, but he, he does well enough where if he's asked to catch, he can, he can definitely do it. The, to me, the, the big knocks on him are going to be his, his injury history. He has a, he has a bunch of those going back to 2017. So Somebody that's going to be jumping on the uh, on the draft pod that you alluded to earlier, uh, Doctor Ethan Turner. Uh, he puts together a uh, an injury kind of database uh, that I, I got a hold of this year. You're looking at right shoulder injury, left ankle sprain, right ankle sprain, <laughs> an undisclosed knee injury which requires surgery. So this is one of the like the crazier ones where apparently he re-injured his knee getting into bed <laughs> and he, he had to have surgery to fix whatever the, whatever that issue was. The, the full thing never, never came out. Maybe it was like a meniscus kind of related injury. You know, um, it was. He has had the lady on the bed. You know, if, if you know where I'm going with this, you know, and got a little too, I, you know, whatever you can let your mind go with it. However you want to go from there. But the, the, I doubt he was just getting into bed. Like who's that aggressive getting into bed. You know what I mean? I would actually like to hear you spell spell this out. It sounds like have you gone a knee a knee surgery from something like this? <laughs> I can see it happening, right? You know, I mean, if the, the other scenario, the one you know where you know you got the, you got the lady <laughs> off the bed, you know, and uh, you know, in a no, we don't, we don't, position. we don't know, we don't know, Kev. <laughs> you know, and you're getting into it. Maybe you get the leg lifted up or something like that, and you got your body weight supported, and you know, whatever, whatever. It, it, there's so many things that could happen. I just do not believe for one second that it was just he was just getting into bed. Regardless, anyways, keep going. I mean, I I really don't think we we need to. I think uh, <laughs> I think that's it. But no, then he had uh, whatever happened to him with the. Uh, um, I think didn't he opt out of the the Senior Bowl as well? So whatever happened with the Senior Bowl, whatever he had going on with. Um, with the combine, what, whether or not that's true, but then he also had a uh, an AC joint separation. He only missed one game, uh, but he he did deal with that. So to me, with with his running style, it's kind of like a like a James Conner kind of thing, right? He has all these little nagging injuries that are popping up all the time, and he's just a physical runner. I just don't know how well that's going to work out for him and how long his career is going to be in the NFL. So for for that reason, I'm I'm knocking him down, but he's he'd probably be in that that second tier for me, just because like you said, it's top heavy after this, after the top five, I think it takes a, I think it takes a pretty steep drop. Um, like I said, he is what he is. Get him in a, in a gap or a, a, a power running scheme. Um, you know, maybe like, like if he were to land with the chargers behind Eckler, I, I could get behind that solid offensive line where he's not going to be asked to, you know what I mean? Where he has a, uh, the lightning to his thunder, so to speak. I, I think that could be a, a good spot for him. I just, I just am curious if he turns out to be like the next Royce Freeman. I mean, that that's kind of, I mean, that's kind of what Royce Freeman was, right? Royce Freeman was somebody that was a, a strong pass catcher. I mean, I think he averaged fourteen point five yards per reception, which is fantastic for a running back. And so the, there's certainly things to like, and I, I guess I understand some of the things that people like about him. It's just I just think people are going overboard with with certain things, and I've heard people talk about him as like Kareem Hunt, like. 
Kareem Hunt is an outlier and is not the the standard. It, it is certainly he is just an outlier, right? And we certainly don't really know how good Kareem Hunt is. He gets to play in Kansas City. The cards fell right for him, right? Because Spencer Ware got hurt. And so he was able to take over in one of the best offenses in all of football. And uh, really, I mean, every running back that's kind of stepped into there, I mean, we've seen Spencer Ware. Now, Spencer Ware wasn't elite or anything like that when he was the starting running back at Kansas City, but he was more than capable. And then off, Sharkhandrick West. I mean, just a bunch of Jags have come through there. Now we see Damian Williams, who is absolutely nobody. So to sit here and say that, oh, well, Kareem Hunt is, is this elite running back, we don't know that. Because because the Andy Reid, Kansas City offense, is able to get the best out of running backs, put them in the best position possible. So I, I don't think it's fair to call him a Kareem Hunt, right? I think his ceiling is Mark Ingram. Like if I, I started looking around trying to figure out like a good comp for him, I think that's his ceiling would be Mark Ingram for me. I think they're the most, you know, physical type runners that, that are capable pass catchers. Like, I think that's his absolute ceiling. And if that's what he turns out to be, that's fine. Turns out to be a solid RB2, depending on where he lands and everything else. And it, I don't think I see anything wrong with that. But I also see Monty Ball could end up being in his range of outcomes as well. Yeah, I think the Kareem Hunt stuff is coming from the broken tackle stats. And then also, neither of them were athletes that were going to wow you. You know what I mean? But I, I, I think the majority of it's coming from the the broken tackles um Kareem Hunt was was really good too in in college not saying that that Moss wasn't but I think this is just one of those things where it's oh they both they both broke a lot of tackles and they're not not that great athletically I, I like I think Hunt was another 4-6 guy in the in the 40 you know I mean yeah. he he didn't he didn't exactly kill it either but I th- I think Kareem Hunt had more more contact balance to his game like where, so for, for as, as much credit and recognition that Moss gets with breaking tackles, he gets tripped up quite a bit, uh, pretty easily too. So again, he is what he is. He if if you get him in a in a certain uh, scheme, I, I think he's going to be okay. I don't know how how fruitful his NFL career is going to be. Like I said, get him behind like an Austin Eckler. I, I think you could see some, you know, some RB two weeks out of him for sure. Right. So the next up, I guess, are that kind of are in the same sort of tier or same bucket, if you will, is Keyshawn Vaughn, which we've talked about, which I feel like is just kind of like a complete back. Um, I don't think he is. I, I don't think he's elite at anything. He tested athlete, pretty well athletically. I think he ran like a four mm-hmm. five one, but he's just somebody that, like I said, like he's not. I, he's just that typical, you know, zone scheme, what kind one cut runner and the right system. I think he can really shine. Um, again, I don't think he is an elite back or anything. I don't think he deserves to be in the tier with the top guys, but I, but for me, like I would rather have him, I think than I would rather have Zach Moss, but that's just me. And then you have AJ Dillon, which like you talked about earlier, if this was 2005, AJ Dillon might be the number one running back taken in this class, right? Like he is an absolute athletic freak. He tested better than Derrick Henry, but the problem is he's Derrick Henry because he doesn't run the ball, right? And or because he doesn't catch the ball, and they, they never utilize him as a pass catcher. And that's his biggest knock is that they just never utilize him that way. And I mean, look how long it really took for the Titans to utilize Derrick Henry in the way they should have. And so if he doesn't land in the right spot, I mean AJ Dillon, I mean just 
be Marion Barber or something like that, right? He's just a goal line short yardage specialist, and that's all that he is because he was just never – now, we've seen guys like a Leonard Fournette, for example, right, who – was never really utilized in college, and that was kind of one of the knocks we had on him because we never saw him really utilized. And we see this, you know, see guys that are maybe a little bit more capable pass catchers than what we think. But I think that's really the biggest knock against AJ Dillon because everything else lines up for him. Like the dude was a monster. Like he put that Boston College um, program on his back the last couple of years and just carried him. The dude is a beast, and you watch him, and it's fun. It's fun to watch him just run over people. He looks for contact, but it's hard to get excited for a guy if he's not going to be utilized as a pass catcher. And you also have to ask for a team. He has to go to the right team that's going to utilize him in the correct way. So you want him to go to like a Seattle, a team that's going to you know, run first offense. If he's not, he's dead. Yeah, absolutely. So just real quick on Keyshawn Vaughn. If you like Zach Moss, but you don't like Keyshawn Vaughn, I don't, I don't understand that. To me, they're pretty similar stylistically. You know what I mean? Looking for contact, strong runners, get him downfield, except the the difference being that Keyshawn Vaughn has athleticism to him. So, like, if you like Moss, but you don't like Vaughn, I don't, I don't necessarily understand that because, like I said, to me, they're they're pretty similar stylistically, um, and that's why I do have Vaughn at my sixth spot ahead of Zach Moss because I, I think he just he just offers a little bit more juice, a little bit more athleticism. And for, for Dylan, I, th- I think obviously size and athletic uh, athleticism wise, like Derrick Henry is the comp, but I also think that's the, the comp for like offensively, whenever he gets to the next level, because he's going to need a team that's just going to hand the ball off to him 25, 28 times a game and just let him control that entire game. Like he's going to need that. Like we saw, I mean, outside of a, a fluky, you know, 75 yard screen, to the to the house we didn't see derrick henry utilized much as a pass catcher and whenever they got behind in games which was uh rare toward the end of the year whenever they did get behind you didn't hear a peep from them and i think it's exactly what you're looking for i mean it's exactly what you're looking with with aj Dillon as well he's gonna have to go to a titans uh seattle i think would 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 be would be interesting just because that's what they are they want to line up they want to run it down your throat but he's going to need that team that's just going to be willing to hand the ball off to him you know 25 plus times a game in order for him to to really have that impact especially when it comes to comes to your fantasy leagues yeah, I agree, and that's, that's a shame with him just because, like I said, it's so much fun to watch him run, but I, I, I think that that's pretty much spot on with him. Um, so let, let's jump over to a couple other players who I think that are pretty interesting prospects, and one I think is Antonio Gibson, right? Dude went out and shredded, Love him. shredded the combine. Six foot, 228, ran a 4.39, uh, that's 98th percentile, 122.8 speed score, 118.5 burst score. Um, the problem is he was never utilized. I mean, he only had seven, I think 71 touches last year, but he had 1100 yards on those 71 touches. Um, super explosive athlete. And, but the problem is like, and I, you know, I guess coming out, people were wondering if he was going to be a wide receiver or if he was going to be a running back. He was listed as a running back, but you know, playing in Memphis, Memphis also had Tony Pollard playing there two years ago. But with Antonio Gibson, like I think there's like a Joe Mixon type ceiling with him, but I think he's all upside because he's super raw. But 
there's also a really low floor, but I think in rookie drafts, I don't think he's going incredibly high. But depending on, again, another guy that's completely landing spot dependent, we know he's an incredible pass catcher out of the backfield at a 12.7% target share. But like I said, he was utilized a lot as a wide receiver as well. But those are really good positives for him as well. But like I said, I think Joe Mixon wouldn't be a crazy um, type ceiling that he could possibly get to. Yeah, if, if he gets to a team that's going to let him, let him just take over the backfield. Like I, I could definitely see that. I mean, he's really good as a pass catcher. He's explosive. He's strong. Whenever uh, you know, whenever you do get to see him run, um, like you said, though, he doesn't have like there's so much unknown with him because he didn't have the touches. Yeah, 30, um, yeah, thirty three carries, but he had sixteen broken tackles on those thirty three attempts. Yeah, his his broken tackle rate is absurd for for um for this year like it's i think it end like if you take into consideration all of his touches it's it's almost like a 50 percent uh <laughs> like broken tackle rate it's just absolutely crazy and then if you look at if you look at his catches now obviously these averages in terms of you know yards per catch and yards per rush they're they're not the best things we have uh when it comes to predicting anything really but I mean, 19.3 yard average with his receptions, which is absurd, eight touchdowns, and then 11.2 yards per carry. Now, again, limited touches, but I think that really just does go to show how explosive of an athlete he is. And then this past year, he also also had 23 kick returns, 645 yards, and a touchdown there as well. So he's someone who's super, super intriguing to me. Um going to be really curious to see what kind of uh what kind of draft capital he gets and where he lands like i could see like a like a ty montgomery like maybe that's a little lazy of a comp you know turn from the the wide receiver into the running back when he was with green bay and some people might hear that and be like ah that's not that exciting but if i mean if you put him in a in a green bay like offense you know a high octane kind of offense and I think we're we're quick to forget too that Ty Montgomery started off that that season whenever he made that switch full time to running back. He had a couple of really nice games, but I think like injuries took over and he kind of fell off after that. But Antonio Gibson, I'm I'm super intrigued by. Um, again, another another uh, look forward to the to the NFL draft show we have. But that was uh, Dwight Peebles. He's going to be jumping on uh, day one and day two with us. But that's been his guy for a while, and he's kind of getting annoyed at this point with uh, with all the hype that's been going on. But just real quick, looking at uh, DLF's um, rookie ADP, he is going at the at the end of the second round. So for someone who doesn't have you know a lot to go off of film wise or anything, like I think that's that's kind of high, but I don't think that's unwarranted either because if if he gets in the right spot and uh, has the you know the right kind of scheme around him? I think he could be an absolute home run at at that point. Yeah, I mean it's a, a purely upside play, right? I mean, with him, yeah, absolutely. For is you know is that, and I think right now if he continues to go in that second, third round range, I think that's fine, and I think he could get an absolute steal there because everything else aligns with him being an athletic freak, but. It's it's kind of uh, almost unprecedented with how little opportunity that he has, right? And so we don't really have anything to go off of. I mean, you can make like someone like Alvin Kamara a couple years ago, right? Who was kind of uh, 
you know, was the 1B on an offense, didn't get a ton of opportunity, but I mean, he still blew that out of the water in terms of opportunity. So um, I think he's an interesting prospect to watch for sure. And I'm excited to kind of see where he goes, and I hope he lands in a, in a good spot. Um, another name that's kind of flying up people's boards is Darrington Evans. Um, people are getting enamored by him. Um, you see some of the athletic traits from him, you know, 5'10", 203, ran that 4'4", 140, um, 107.3 speed score, 125.4 burst score, 31.5 dominator rating, you know, played at Appalachian State. But I think people are kind of viewing him as more of the, uh, you know, more of a satellite back, um, maybe a satellite back plus. But is he somebody that you're interested in? And he's somebody that you've, or that you've seen, because I like, there seems to be a lot of hype coming around him right now. Yeah, no, there, there, uh, there definitely is. I think uh, Ray Garvin plays a plays a, a solid hand in that. That's a guy he's been talking about and hyping up for a while. Um, I just actually got eyes on him for the first time uh, today, prepping for prepping for the show. I only watched two games. I watched. Um, his game against North Carolina and another game against uh, South Carolina. And I, I liked what I saw. Um, talk about a guy you, you already talked about. I think what, it was a 4 4 one, 40, I think he ran. You definitely see that translate on the field. So that's somebody where his his combine, his testing numbers match the, the speed that you see. Um, he, he definitely has some juice. He has a lateral agility. He can make guys miss just by evading the tackle. He bro- he broke some tackles, showed some good contact balance. Um, I think he was a he was slighter framed if I'm if I'm remembering correctly, maybe around like that 200 pound mark. Which again, not a not a huge yeah, deal. 203. 203. Um, again, not a huge deal because I I don't think anyone's expecting him to be a 250 carry kind of back anyway. You know what I mean? So if, if he gets in the right situation, maybe, you know, again, I'll throw it back to San Francisco. Maybe they take a swing on him later, a, a team that we know is going to use a, a little bit more of a rotation, a guy with that kind of speed. I, I'd be I'd be intrigued by that and, and Shanahan's offense. Um, th- th- there were, like I said, it was only based off of two games, so I have to – I definitely have to look into it uh, deeper before I make any – concrete you know kind of evaluation on him but that there were some inconsistencies that, that i saw again based on those two games there were times where you would see him approach the approach the line of scrimmage with with hesitation and patience and you know kind of be able to find his way and dig through the the garbage there with the between the offense and defensive lines but then there were other times you would just see him just drop his head and just run straight into the back of one of his uh, one of his linemen. So definitely not a, a perfect um, guy by any means, but he's definitely definitely rising up boards. Um, let me look at deal up. Do you think that he is somebody that is more probably going to be that satellite back, like a Naheem Hines, Chris Thompson type, or do you think that he could possibly reach like an Austin Eckler? type of territory, right? Where, I mean, he's super athletic, but never really gets a feature back role. If it can be utilized, maybe a guy who gets 10 to 12 touches a game. Yeah, I could definitely see that. Um, the, as, as far as Eckler, um, the, the Chris Thompson thing, like, I don't, I don't think he really had that many catches. And I 
from the two games that, that I watched, I don't remember no, him. No, that's the interesting thing with him is like if you look at his his numbers, like he only had like a seven point two or seven point six target share um, at Appalachian State. So it's not like he was uh, he- you know heavily utilized as a pass catching running back. So, but I know that that's kind of like. But if you look at his body frame and everything else, like that's what he more pro- you know really um, profiles as as more of that. Um, you know, pass catching back, but no, he really wasn't utilized heavily, you know, uh, at app state that in that way. Yeah. And currently he's coming off, coming off boards, uh, again, DLF rookie mock data at the end of the third. So, I mean, you're, you're not making or breaking your, your dynasty teams at the, you know, at, at that point. And you are kind of looking for, for upside. He's someone who I could see, like, I think Austin Eckler was probably a, a really nice comp there, Kev. Someone in terms of if the guy ahead of him goes down or doesn't show up for the first couple of weeks, you know, what I mean, he could he could carry that heavier workload, but he's probably better off in a ten to twelve touch kind of uh, kind of situation. He had yeah. So in two thousand nineteen, he had twenty one receptions on twenty seven targets, and in two thousand eighteen, he had thirteen receptions on nineteen targets. So no, definitely was not heavily utilized as a pass catcher. And also, that's that's obviously not saying that he can't. I mean, we saw somebody like Leonard Fournette who wasn't utilized in at at, at LSU, but then he had an absurd. I mean, I mean, maybe not absurd amount of catches, but for him and what he was kind of being pegged as coming out of college, he did really well for your for your PPR leagues this year. I can't remember the the number he had off the top of my head. So th- it doesn't mean that he can't do it. And the the games that I watched, I didn't see him. I don't. I don't think he had any catches. I want to say in the in the North Carolina game and the South Carolina game. I think he might have had like one or two. So I, I'm not going to sit here and say that he he can't be involved in a passing game. But for the if you're saying that some people are kind of looking at looking at him like a, a Chris Thompson kind of guy, um, I think that projection is kind of hard to make at this point. Not to say that he can't do it, but I think either way he'd be better off in a in a situation where he's not toting the rock, you know, twenty times a game, or you know, I mean, where maybe he's getting those eleven to twelve touches and he can be explosive with all of them. Yeah, no, I think that makes sense. I mean, Chris Thompson, I don't know if it was a fair comparison. I think Chris Thompson's like five seven, one ninety, or something like that. So you know, for the frame wise, it doesn't really match up. But um, or maybe even like a Gio Bernard would be a better comp for him right somebody who's never really been that with that workhorse i mean they, they get opportunities whenever the starter goes down but they're never really looked upon you know as being more than that so yeah so, so some of the other guys that we that we could talk about i think anthony mcfarlane and you know benjamin benjamin is a guy that like he started you look at some of his production his efficiency numbers and like again like he's not too far off a lot of these guys i think once you get to this tier you're just sort of like okay, they're they're all kind of the same, right? I mean, he's five nine, two oh seven, thirty seven point four dom a college dominator, fourteen point four target share, which is ninety fourth percentile, which is strong. He was thirty second in yards after contact, fifteenth in missed tackles, eleventh in carries of fifteen plus yards. So he's definitely an explosive athlete. Um, he doesn't have that long speed again, same type of thing there. But uh, it's kind of interesting to note. So I mean, he fell off. His 2019 was not strong, right? But if you look at his 2018, uh, during the uh, during that season, he had 1,030 rushing yards after contact, which ranked third um, among all running backs, behind only 
Daryl Henderson and Jonathan Taylor, and his 84 tackles also ranked third in college football um, behind now starters David Montgomery and Devil Singletary. So his 2018 was strong, right? Now, last year he fell off. He wasn't, at, he wasn't as efficient and everything else. But I think, you know, Benjamin is a guy that people are sleeping on a little bit. But I, I think that, again, if people had him above Keyshawn Vaughn and guys like that, like, I wouldn't have a problem with it. Like, I think he's kind of right there in that mix. Yeah, absolutely. He's someone I, I need to go back and watch a little bit more. Um, I know a lot of guys were, were excited for him coming into this year because of what he did in 2018. I think even with that with that smaller frame that he has, I, I think 2018 he led the N, NCAA in, uh, in plays from scrimmage. So obviously touched the ball more than any other, any other player in, in the N, NCAA which is obviously impressive. It's not like he's a, you know, a, an AJ Dillon or a Derrick Henry back there, um, but he's just somebody who, when I was, I was taking quick glances on. I think whenever we, whenever we had Travis May on back, was that two months ago at this point? I was watching him and just kind of someone I was just like, oh, okay. I don't know if I was just expecting more. You know, what I mean, maybe that's why I didn't give him a give him a fair shake. But I definitely think. Um, Whenever you're comparing those two seasons, it he left a lot to be desired this year. But I mean, he's the past two years over 35 catches in both seasons. So I mean, as far as that goes, he's one of the more complete from a from a production profile, uh, you know, out, out of this class. So he's someone I definitely need to go back and get eyes on again. But like when whenever I went through and looked at him, you know, two months ago, he was just someone I kind of just push to the side but like you just said if if someone's throwing him up there in that seven eight range i you know i mean i'm not going to be able to be able to try and debate that or scream in their face or whatever we do on on twitter now yeah and i i think past that you have the guys well anthony mcfarlane i think is another one that i think could got probably fit in that same range as well um Again, I mean, he tested uh, pretty well at the combine. He's 5'08", two, uh, 208 pounds, ran a 4'4", uh, 40, but just wasn't incredibly impressive in college. I mean, 22.4 dominator rating, 7% target share. Uh, he was 195th in yards after contact, 116th in missed tackles, 151st in yard, uh, plays of 15-plus yards, like, it's it's hard it's it's crazy for somebody that is explosive that you know has that that has that kind of top end speed to be absolutely useless in terms of everything else like like I don't know what to make of that like he made maybe he's like a Christine Michael type right where uh, some of the measurables don't really add up to the production um, from him yeah he he is he is someone though that the the testing matches what you see on on the tape like. That was one thing I remember writing down when I watched him was just, I just wrote down juice. Like the dude is super explosive. Um, it's not like Maryland has been some, some holy grail of offense over the past couple of years either. Um, but, you know, like I, he was someone who, whenever I watched him, I, I kind of saw more of a, more of just like an athlete playing running back than like an actual running back. But I, I think he is someone who, again, you're not gonna have to take him early in your in your dynasty drafts. Who could offer you, you know, I mean, especially if you're in a in a deeper league, starting requirement wise, um, 
you you might be able to get some some useful weeks out of because of because of how explosive he is. You'll have to see. Um, again, probably a fifth, sixth round pick type of type of back, and then right past that, I think. I mean, we have the the Michael P. Ryan, Joshua Kelly, um, Michael Warren from Cincinnati, who we don't have a lot to go off of because of the fact that he didn't test. You know, but he looks like another big power back, 5'9", 226, but he was ninth in yards after contact, seventh in missed tackles, 39th in 15 plus yards or 15 plus carries. Um, he's also averaged point, uh, 0.25 broken tackles per rush, which is pretty impressive, and 3.75 yards after contact per attempt, um, and 78 explosive rushes on 10 plus yards in his career. So, I mean, th- there's something there, uh, but. We don't really have anything to go off with him. I think he's probably, again, probably a sixth, seventh round pick or possibly undrafted. But I don't know. We'll see. But, I mean, with somebody like him, too, I mean, it's worth noting he also hauled in 46 of 54 targets but generated. So, you know, we'll see. But, I mean, he also had a a .85 yards per route run, which is uh, basically nothing. Right. Yeah, the the Josh Kelly thing – he he definitely has his his fans supporters out there. I I personally didn't get it. He just kind of looked he looked pretty jaggy to me. Um, Paul Perkins, which is probably not a fair comment. I think that's where Paul Perkins went was UCLA. So right, and I, Paul Perkins had a little bit of juice. I, I I didn't really see that with with Josh Kelly. Um, but I like I said, he he definitely has uh, have has his supporters. I think he was being talked about super heavily. Uh, down at the Senior Bowl and kind of separated himself, and a lot of people thought he was like easily the best running back there during during the Senior Bowl week for you know for whatever that's worth. But he's just someone I I didn't necessarily get. Um, Michael P. Ryan we talked about last week. I, I mentioned him as one of my under level, but I think he's going to be more of a you know guy ahead of him goes down to injury. He pops up, and he, you know, I mean, he's a he's the, the hot waiver wire ad for that week. That you know, that kind of player, but because he's good enough at everything, that I think he's going to stick around on an on an NFL roster. Um, Michael Warren, I haven't watched too much of yet, um, but again, I know he's someone who some people are intrigued with, especially with with his size and his physicality and his style of running. Um, DJ Dallas is a, is another one who I, I have to dig in a little bit more on, but it, I, again, a, a guy who kind of seems to, to have everything, but never really put it all together at the same time over, over the co- course of a full season. So to me, like we already talked about it's top heavy. And then everyone after that is kind of just in one big old cluster. And the, the NFL draft is what's going to, you know, kind of parse us out. And once we see, where these guys land and what kind of depth chart and who's ahead of them and, and everything like that. So do you, do you have a favorite out of uh like out of these, you know, the, the, the bottom of this group, do you have anyone who sticks out to you or anyone that you're, you're intrigued with? I mean, not really. I mean, I think, like I said, you know, Benjamin, I think is interesting. Michael Warren had some, you know, some things about him that made, kind of made me a little bit interested, but I think one thing with, with, with this and, we go through this process and we start it in January, February, and we go so long. So we dig into all these guys and we know so much about them by the time the draft comes. And I think sometimes we end up overvaluing them and we think too much of them where some of these guys that like we're talking about probably will go undrafted. 
and right but like, oh absolutely we see them as names and everything else and then all of a sudden like oh my gosh you know and then you see on fantasy twitter where people that were hyping some of these guys were like the nfl is so stupid i can't believe they didn't draft this guy you know the jeremy mcnichols of the world who who you know fantasy twitter becomes enamored with and i think that that is something that kind of ends up happening so like you mentioned i do think this is a very top heavy class and I think there are some backs in here that can go into the right system and be um, a part of a committee, not necessarily ever be, you know, standalone value. And so I think that's probably the majority of this class. And I think, like I said, like I think the top half, whether I think it's Jonathan Taylor, um, DeAndre Swift, probably J.K. Dobbins, and then you know the Hilaire has a has a possibility. I still think there it could be more possible than not that he ends up being that one A to one B or one B to one A. And then Cam Akers, I think, also has that that in that his range of possibility. But I also think he's probably more of a guy that's probably going to be in somewhat of a committee as well, like an Aaron Jones is, right? If he if he winds himself on a team like that. So I think those are all things to keep in mind. And we're probably again, whenever a running back doesn't go until like second or you know late second, and we're all like, "Oh, what is going on with the running backs?" And we're like, "Okay, well, we overvalued it," because that's kind of what happened a couple of years ago. If I remember, I can't remember exactly the class that was where everybody thought and everyone was shocked that running backs just kept falling and falling and falling before one of them was was taken. So, um, I don't know. I think the the crown jewel. I think overall, just to this class in general, I think it's the wide receiver. We've talked about that a ton. And next week, we could probably talk for three hours about all the wide receivers that are in this class. Because, I mean, we, we've done multiple podcasts on wide receivers, and we still haven't talked about them all. We haven't talked a ton about, like, guys like Brandon Ayuk are starting to fly up. And, you know, uh, I just think there's, a, there's so many different wide receivers. And I, this is such an incredibly deep wide receiver class. But this running back class is not nearly as deep. And there might only be two or three real impact guys in this class. Yeah, for sure. Um, I just... Uh, a word of caution I would throw out there is if you have a guy that you love and you're you're sold on and he doesn't go until second or third round, I wouldn't completely jump off on him. I think that's you know what we talked about to start the show. I think that's just more a result of the NFL and how they're valuing these guys at this point as as to you know, the, the draft, obviously, you know, we want to see guys get drafted in the first, but I think that those are going to be far and few between, um, you know, going forward just with how the NFL is set up now and guys, you know, I mean, you don't have to draft these guys super high and you can find, you know, CJ Anderson's who are going to carry your team and take you to a, a Super Bowl. I mean, those guys pop up all the time. So, um, I, I wouldn't let that wouldn't let that worry you too much. And if you know, I mean, if we see the majority of these guys go, especially the top five, going on day two, I, I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't start dropping them super far down just based on draft capital alone. Yeah, and it didn't really help that you know Travis Etienne and uh, Chubba Hubbard ended up going you know back to school, so that really uh, hurt the and Harris a little bit. Yeah, and yeah, Najee Harris was another guy that a lot of people liked as well. So that obviously had an effect on this. I do have an interesting question. So if you know, in terms of rookie drafts, we get every, so we get landing spot and everything else. And let's just say, for example, that the Jonathan Taylors, the Cam Akers, DeAndre Swifts don't land in like in just a great spot where the path of opportunity is clear. 
Would you consider in a, in a in a single quarterback actually taking a wide receiver first overall? Yeah, I mean, if if all of them just somehow just get shit spots, and you know, I mean, maybe because um, I mean, let's say let's say for example, let's say the Chiefs take, but you know, let's say I don't know. I don't know if that's a fair one. I was going to say Zach Moss because I think that's a possibility because the Chiefs actually <laughs> interviewed him. That's my worst nightmare, and it's going to happen. I could tell it's going to happen, and everyone's just going to like dunk on me Jordan style, right? Like, oh look, you know, you talk so much shit, and now he's on the Chiefs. But um, I don't oh know. My let, God. Let, but let's say the Chiefs took like a Keyshawn Vaughn, right? So he's obviously not going to go number one overall. And then let's say the Bucks take, you know, somebody else that uh, you know off the top of my head, but. You know, something like that. So none of the landing spots prevent, you know, one of these top guys. Would you consider taking, you know, whether it's Ruggs, if he falls in just that absolute nut spot, or Jerry Judy or CeeDee Lamb, number one, instead of taking one of these running backs? Yeah, absolutely. Like, to me, that's uh, something I've been thinking about lately is the majority of dynasty analysts you're going to listen to are going to say that you should build your team around receivers. And that's sound advice, right? They have the longer shelf life. They keep their value longer, everything like that. But then it comes down to the rookie drafts and it's running back, running back, running back, running back. Yeah. I mean, and, and, and I get it, but like it, to me, it's just kind of funny that you'll see like, you know, build around receivers. And then once your core is in place, then that's when you want to take the, the running back high but then a lot of, like especially for for this year and what we've seen it's it's not uncommon to you, if you're looking at someone's like overall rankings that you see three or four running backs go before they have either Lamb or Judy or Ruggs whoever they have is their wide receiver one but yeah man absolutely if if there are you know bad spots and what like i would say at least three maybe four or five receivers are going to go in the first round if there are like super you know what I mean? Just like kind of like blast spots. You you should have no problem taking a Lamb or a Judy at, at one. If again, if these landing spots aren't great. Um, but if you have a, if you have a super strong opinion and you feel like that Jonathan Taylor is the one, no matter what, if he lands in a, in a not great spot, situations change all the time. Injuries happens all the time. So like go out and get your guy too. You also think that if so, if you were much more enamored with the wide receivers and you had the one on one, just simply trading back to you know to three or four to be able to get the wide receiver instead of holding on to one on one and get it, gaining more draft capital or more picks. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I you you should all always be willing to to part, especially with the one on one, because even with the scenario you just threw out, typically there's going to be someone who comes out of that as the top guy right so especially if you have something where it's clear cut that you know 85 percent of the rankings that you're looking at have say it's Dobbins right as the number one guy you know kind of something like we saw with uh with last year where it was basically it was either Nikhil Nikhil Harry or Josh Jacobs is the one Right. If you have something like that where it seems like the one is now more valuable, you should absolutely be willing to be willing to move that. The 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 thing where I might not is like let's say let's say you made a deep run into the playoffs last year, you, you made a trade, you know, a year or two ago, and that pick ended up turning into the one oh one and you have that and you like you just have that one final piece, 
then I, I would probably just hold on to and take someone if that value and the the needs for your roster line up there. Do you feel like it's a good year to have the one on one? Yeah, absolutely. It's it's always a good year to have the one on one. Well, I mean, because you have the years where you have like Zeke and Saquon and like just the slam dunk can't miss. Right. Like you take this guy no matter what, and like I don't think that guy exists necessarily in this. I mean, sure you get like we love Ceedee Lamb, we love Jerry Judy. Uh, you know, Henry Ruggs could end up being the first and probably likely the number one wide receiver that's going to come off the board first and could even go top 10. I think it's it's almost like lock it in at this point. But but among the running backs, like I said, like it's like I love Jonathan Taylor, right? But it just we're starting to hear things that if he ends up going like second or late second or even as third, I mean, if that happens, I mean, you know, crazier things have happened, then you start, you start taking account of this. And I, for me, like... I don't know. Like, we know next year's rookie class. I don't like. I don't think you should ever like want to just kick the can down the road. But we know next year's rookie class is going to be strong. Um, and you know, Jamar Chase and everybody else that's going to be coming out, plus the Travis Etienne and the the, the Hubbard that, that's going to be coming out next year. Like, I don't know. Like, would it be smarter to kick the can a little bit? We know, especially in the middle round, especially with as deep as this wide receiver class is, and instead of holding on to the one on one even trading it, you know, your first for a first next year and maybe like a second or whatever, like I, something like that where you're getting more value in these middle rounds where it's, it's much deeper, especially like I said, a wide receiver versus holding on to it and trying to maximize as much as you can. When it's a year, like I said, that it's, there's just not that slam dunk one-on-one where you're just like, I 100% know that this guy is going to pay off for me. Like, I don't think you can say that this year. Um, in my opinion. Yeah, um, maybe maybe right now you can't. Um, I think we will get that guy with the uh, with the draft, but I also don't. I don't look at it as like is that being like a, a negative necessarily because the the top of this class is stacked. It's not like we're like oh well you know no it no might not be at this. all. But I feel like yeah. I guess my point is that I feel like that there's a, there's so much depth in this draft that like take. Yeah, if I can get more and I, I can get a strong return for my one-on-one, if somebody, you just know somebody's absolutely in love with Jonathan Taylor or, or somebody like that, right? And if they have multiple picks in the second or, you know, a late first or whatever you could do with it, like maximizing the what, what the return on your investment may not be a bad idea in a year where, again, like at least among running back, right? There's just not that you 100%, you're, you're slamming the butt for him. It's a lot like last year, right, with Josh Jacobs and Miles Sanders and guys like that where there's not like just the alpha uh, running back that we've seen over the last couple of years. It's just not there this year. And so I feel like the one-on-one doesn't have as much, and at least in my opinion, maybe I'm way off on this, this just feels like it doesn't have the same juice as it does in, in some other years. Yeah, no, I, I could definitely see that. I mean, as far as like the the Barkley class goes, I think they're just because Barkley was such a crazy talent that like it probably didn't matter where he went. You know what I mean? Right, I, I think this had, year, we also had the Leonard Fournette year, where every, like every, like pretty much for the most part, everybody kind of knew that he was going to be pretty much the guy to take. And then you had Corey Matt- Davis year, baby. That was, <laughs> Corey Davis went one hundred and one in a lot of drafts that year. Yeah, and that feels a lot like Nikhil Harry now um, as well, 
where you're forcing it. But anyways, um, and yeah, I mean, if if you're Zeke if someone year same same thing with him, he was the unquestioned without a doubt. You take him. Oh one yeah, one. yeah. I mean, that, that's all I'm saying. Like you just since there's not that guy, not that I'm like shitting on this class at all because I think this is a really really strong draft. But I just right. think there's so much depth and there's so much value to be had that if you if I could maximize it and acquire some cuz it's so much easier in my opinion at least that I would think to be able to acquire like 2021 first because it's a whole another year down the road especially as you get closer to the draft you're at 2020 people want to get their hands on these guys and 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 maximizing some of that I feel like would pay off Oh no absolutely if if someone's offering you a a deal that's you know you just can't pass up then yeah you should you should obviously be be willing to take it because of the depth and because there you know there are going to be some guys who they're just going to get pushed down because of, you know, how talented this class is. Um, but again, if, if you earn the one one because your team is just a, a flaming pile of shit, then like, I'm like, I'm not going to be, I'm, I would need more in return versus just a, a two this year and a, and a one next year. Like I, I, it would, it would take multiple, multiple ones for me to move off that one one obviously depending on how far you drop back. If you're going from one one to one four you're not going to be getting two more first on on top of that, even if they are 2021s. Um, I feel like, well, I mean, I, but I, I feel like if I was one on one, like if I if, if my team was just a fucking shit show, and I had no not much else to go with, I would try to be trying to acquire as many picks as I possibly can to be, to to kickstart because just holding the one on one isn't really going to help you this year, right? In my opinion, like. I would much rather try to acquire as much as I can for that. If that, if, that, if my team was a dumpster fire, to be able to add more to, to more firepower to my team, versus all right, I'm going to take Jonathan Taylor or I'm going to take Ceedee Lamb or whatever. Like, yes, it's, it's a great prospect, no doubt, but I don't think, at least right now, the way things stand, like those players are like I. I would be okay with not acquire, not having them on my team versus if I could get, you know, 2021 20, first, 220, you know, a, a couple seconds, a third, whatever. If I could get more in return to be able to kind of maximize, you know, the team. If that makes sense. Yeah, no, no, that that absolutely makes sense. I was just referring to, you know, you were talking about moving it for for a second this year and a one next year. Like to me that like that that just wouldn't be enough. And what's crazy is, is like after you put a name to some of these picks, like in some cases, not all, like those picks will become like that player that you then took will become more valuable than the offers you were getting while you were on the clock. You know what I mean? So maybe that's a case where, you know, if you're not getting just kind of that like holy shit kind of deal, like this guy is actually going to give up this much to come up and get the one-on-one. If you get that kind of deal and you're rebuilding, then yeah, by all means, take it. Um, but if I'm getting, you know, say someone's offering me like the 202 and a one next year, like that's, to me, that 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 would not be enough. But maybe that's a case where you can look at making smaller moves back. You know I mean? Maybe you drop from, one hundred one to like one hundred three, and you pick up a second. Then you come back up on one hundred three. Then maybe you can move back and pick up an additional first the following year. You know, what I mean that that you definitely would want to get kind of more of those, uh, you know, more of those golden tickets, so to speak. Um, but it, again, it all depends on what I'm what I'm getting for the one hundred one and the the state of my 
the state of my team and kind of the the power balance of the the league as a whole. Yeah, I, I do know that uh, you know I haven't played a ton of Dynasty, um, but I do remember uh, like I've, I think I've told before the first year that I played we. Uh, one, I was desperate for a quarterback, but I think my quarterbacks got hurt. So, like, I tried, I mean, I traded like all kinds of picks to like acquire Jay Cutler when he played for the Dolphins. You know, and it's like, I didn't care. Like, I was fucking trading <laughs> picks. You want picks? You want picks? Here, take my fucking picks. I don't care. I don't need them. Take the picks. And like, everybody lost their mind. I was like, what are you doing? You can't be trading. Like, like they were like just golden to me. Like, I'm, I'm a fucking redraft guy. I'm a DFS guy. Like, I don't, I'm not, I don't give a shit about these fucking rookie picks that are six months down the road. I'm trying to win, you know? And so it didn't work out. I didn't finish very well in that league. <laughs> and then the draft rolls around. So then, yes. And you're wishing you had those picks. No, so what I did was I was just fucking wheeling and dealing throughout that draft. <laughs> acquiring fucking picks. Trading all kinds of people. Made all these fucking moves. I had a, I, I had a really strong... I don't own that team anymore. I got rid of it. It's because it was like a $10 buy-in. I need more skin in the game for me to care. But like, I think I drafted, I drafted Sam Darnold. I drafted DJ Moore. Um, in the first round, because I was able to get two firsts. I can't remember exactly. I, I wish I could remember who I gave that team to. I'd like to know what I what 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 has become of it. And maybe the league's not even together anymore. I don't know. But uh, I, I thought I did pretty well for myself. That because like as soon as I got in, like everyone, like every round was like, all right, one on ones on the board. Let me get the let me get the offers. And then as soon as that whatever happens there, all right, one on two. Let me get the offers. And I'm like, man, this this is fucking horrible. Why is this? But then, as you start going along, you start getting like addicted to like, okay, how am I going to make my next move? All right, you, know, you start reaching out to everybody. You're like, it's like a GM. You're working the phones. You know, you're, you're DMing people. You're sliding the DMs, trying to see what you can get, what, what you can work a deal for. And then when you're on the clock, everybody's sliding into your DMs, trying to, hey man, okay, I'll offer you this. What do you think? And half the time, it's fucking shit garbage that they're trying to offer you. And they think you're a moron or something like that with some of the shit they're trying to offer you. And you're like, get out of my, get out of here. It ain't happening. But yeah, that is the fun part. I will say of Dynasty, dude. It's 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 so much fun. I think like for me, like the the trading and everything, like that's that to me is the the thing that kind of like that pulled me in. Um, my buddy Walt that I've I've thrown his name out a couple of times on on the show he's the one that got me into dynasty and like we we started working at the post office together and we you know kind of realized both of us were in the fantasy so we'd talk about our teams and shit from from while to while and at one point he was like yeah man made a trade and I, I, I wish i could remember what it was but he was like yeah i gave up so and so in a second round pick and got this in return and i looked at him i was like what do you mean you gave up a second round pick like your like your next year and your redraft like what, what he's like no man like we you know draft rookies and blah 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 i was like wait what what the fuck is this you <laughs> only rookies what do you mean only rook and like dude from that day it's like i've basically i'm in one redraft league anymore and it's just like my my boys from high school we just use it as a, as an excuse to go to buffalo wild wings and get drunk without the wives and everything else has just been dynasty from that point on. So, I mean, for all of us, I, I can't imagine there's too many people in dynasty leagues that go on to work in NFL front offices. But like, this is the this is the closest that that all of us are going to get, and it's it's just so much fun. Like you said, when the by the time the the rookie draft rolls around, you have people hitting you up. You're looking at who people are taking. Guys are falling down draft boards, and you, like you said, you're trying to calculate moves and figure out who you who's going where, and you know who you can add and what kind of players you're willing to give up. So it's it's just such a fun time of year. 
No, uh, yeah, 100%. Uh, I don't know. Maybe I need to get into another Dynasty League, but it needs to be for more money. Because uh, I need a little bit more skill. I know there's a lot of people that play for fun, and they're, they don't even play for any money. And I feel like the people that say they're in like 47 Dynasty Leagues probably aren't playing in many high stakes, and it's probably like really... Which is fine. There's people that out there that don't need to play in a lot of money leagues or high-stake money leagues. And to enjoy it and have fun with it. Like for me, if it's going to hold my interest, like it, I, I feel like I just have to have some sort of skin in the game. Um, I don't think there's anything wrong with that, that people that want to do it that way. But I probably need to try to get into another one. Maybe we need to have run like a TFA uh, listener dynasty league. Maybe that would be good. The only trouble with dynasty is you just want people to stay in it. You don't want to have a bunch of orphans and everything else. Where people just disappear. Or people that aren't active in the league and never pay attention, never look at their teams, and never make moves. Because there's a lot of different types of people in dynasty leagues, right? Because you also have the people that will send you 76 trade offers every day. And they're all just fucking horse shit. And you want to punch them in their throat because you're like, dude. Not a fucking idiot, okay? Like, I'm not going to accept your garbage trade. I don't care how many of your bench fucking bullshit you're going to offer me. I'm not making that move with you. You know, it's just fucking, it's just awful. But regardless, you know, I but we do maybe that's what we need to do. Maybe we need to try to start a, a TFA league. Yeah, I would, I would, I would definitely be down for that. What um, what what's your what's your minimum stake? That, that's gonna 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 keep you interested because we've ar- we've already come to the to the realization that this is a a, a no peasants no peasants allowed league up in the the Kevin Steele house of wrath. Well, I mean, I I don't know. Like the, the league we were doing, I think it was like ten dollars, and I'm like, really, guys, ten bucks a person? You know, like, and I was like, yeah, that that would be. It's That'd be super hard for me to know. Like, especially, like, once, like, the season starts and, like, we're in it. And, like, so for me, like, obviously I'm doing DFS every week. So that is obviously probably the thing that I, I, I pay attention to the most. And then I have my redraft stuff that I have going on. And then we have this and the podcast and the site and everything else. Like, so, like, it just it just, it, it just was never something that I took. Like, but it was awesome, like, this time of the year because I actually had something to do when there was, it was much less going on. But I think 50 bucks probably starting out would probably be something where I'm like, okay, you know, it's not like a ton. Like, it's not like, you know, you're going to kill it, but like, it's enough to kind of keep me interested and I'm involved and I have some, a little bit of skin in the game at, at, at the very least. I don't know. I just feel like that, you know, people that are playing like five, $10 entries. I'm like, what's the point? Like you do all this work. And I, I know like, again, it's not all about this. People just enjoy hanging out with friends and doing it with buddies and everything else. And there's a ton of people in the, in the, dynasty community they're always doing dynasty uh leagues together and everything else so i don't know so i think 50 dollars would probably be where i would start i mean i would love to do like 150 dollars, 200 dollars, but like that's probably a little bit too much for most people and we to get people actually to join i think 50 bucks would probably be fair yeah i didn't realize we had a uh, ricky bobby if you ain't first or last up on up on this podcast if you, if you ain't if you ain't throwing down the ducats <laughs> you, you better you better walk home no i mean i'd be down so yeah, if uh, if you're if you're listening, you're and you're interested. Uh, why don't we do like uh, if you're if you're already in the Slack, you get first dibs, and then uh, we can fill it in after that. So if, if you're interested, reach out to to one of us, um, or just hit up the uh, the FF underscore Authority on Twitter and let us know you're interested. And yeah, I, I, I would def- I would like to get this going. That'd be fun. So we'll, we'll I assume with, since we're so close, we probably just do a post-draft startup so we already have the uh, rookies involved or, or is rookies going to be involved in the startup or are you one of those people that, that don't include the rookies in a startup draft um the the way that i like doing it if you aren't 
going to include the rookies is you draft the rookie picks. You know what I mean? So you like you would draft rookie one oh one. And that you know what I mean? That way it, it gives you more flexibility too. Um I, I don't necessarily like them with with no rookies involved and then you just have like a separate you know, you do in reverse order if you had, you know, if you drafted out of the 12 slot, now you have the 101 overall. So if if we don't include the rookies in the actual startup itself, I, I, I like it to where you put the rookie picks. Yeah, I mean, I I think I, I would rather probably have it to where the, the rookies are involved uh, the first year. Um, I don't know, that's me. but Although, although I, I, I do like the idea of like just having another draft. You, you know what I mean? Yeah. I think that's why that's Doing why some people draft and then like having the rookie draft like in like July or August or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. We'll figure it out. Yeah, so, we can get this figured out. So, anyways, all right. So, reach out to us on Twitter at ff underscore authority, and we will figure it out. Or if you're in the Slack, uh, jump into us. Also, the Slack. If you want to join the Slack, you can just go to the show notes for the podcast, and they're in there um, on our podcast, which you can find the podcast on. Um, we everywhere. We yeah. we out here. Yeah, we out here everywhere. Apple, Podbean, iHeartRadio, iTunes, um, not iTunes, uh, TuneIn. <laughs> I mean, CastBox, Podcast Addict, everywhere you can find the show. And so just jump in there, go to the show notes, and at, at the bottom of the show notes on the, for the podcast, you will see where it says click here to join the Slack, and it automatically gets you into the Slack channel. So do that, and you can get in the Slack, and then you know we can talk Dynasty, we can talk Redraft, we can talk DFS. I can tell you when DFS season is happening, the DFS room is uh, a buzz all year, and it's a lot of fun. It's crazy. But uh, anyways, I think this is pretty much it for this week. Really had a good time. Again, we will probably break this up into two podcasts like we've done for the last couple of weeks. I think I like the way that works better. It kind of breaks it up, make it into smaller shows. So the first the first half you know, will have already been out by the time you hear this. And so, again, next week we have Ray Garvin on. And we're going to be talking rookie wide receivers, which should be a lot of fun. And then we have the live NFL draft show for day one, day two. We're going to have booze. We're going to be drinking. We're going to have a ton of guests. Um, Evan Silva, Graham Barfield, Elliot Christ. I mean, there's a ton of guests that we have coming on. Nick Whalen, all kinds of guys coming on. It's going to be lit. It's going to be so much fun. So if you're stuck at home like us and you just want to watch the draft, Join in, have some fun with us. You know, maybe we'll come up with some other stuff we can do. We talked about maybe coming up with like a drinking game, which would be awesome um, to do while, while we're uh, watching the draft and doing this. So by the end of it, we could just be completely shithoused. Um, so it's going to be a lot of fun. So anyways, I really appreciate it. Uh, we actually had a couple of new reviews this week, which was awesome. If you can give us rate and review on iTunes um, or any other podcast service that you're on, go visit us on YouTube as well. Uh, all these shows are on there. We have a bunch of already broken down uh, stuff on our wide receivers and everything else. So anyways, I really appreciate it. Hope everybody has a good week, and we will see you next week. Peace. Chase me, you gotta ask
niggas lazy. Man, they money slim, they acting shady. I'm in my brand new car, who wanna race? Bitch, you ain't caught my phone, so why you showing up? I'm taking them shots on my niggas, they loaded up. Man, all the low, all these hoes be acting so material. Hold up. Man, did you see her interior? Hold up. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.